Oh, oh there we go. Hey. Um, welcome to Sunday after Easter, end of spring break, rainy day. So the fact that you are here is just a, a wonderful, a wonderful thing. I'm glad that you guys are a part of today. Welcome, Porch Community. Um, it's really good to see you. If you happen to be a first-timer, we're really glad that you're here today. I hope that you uh, are encouraged and that you know that there's a God who loves you and wants to be in relationship with you through Christ Jesus. You know, Casey just prayed, God, thank you for the, for the church and for the opportunity to be the church, and that's so true. Um, and I don't mean just like this place, but like the church. And so um, I hope that you are, you know, we say this every week, however you're connecting, because obviously you guys are here in the auditorium, but there's people online, and there's people that are going to be listening later and um, we're just glad that you're connecting. And our prayer, my prayer, is that as, we, as I've been working on this message, and I know as Justin, like, you know, works on the set list and thinks about, you know, how can we engage our people and, and just allow people to just enter into the Holy Spirit. And we just want you uh, to be able to be in a place of worship and growth and maturity. So, um, hey, before we jump into... Uh, the message today, which actually we're starting a new series. You saw that really cool bumper. By the way, would you guys thank our amazing tech team that you don't ever get to see? They're behind you. Um, they do remarkable work um, all the time. And it's, what do we say? Like, no one notices that you guys are there unless something messes up. So thank you that we don't notice you're there very much, hardly at all. So we really do appreciate you guys. Um, so I want to start out with this before we jump in. I want to tell you a, a statement of fact and truth, which is what you would hope would always be coming out of my mouth. Um, but I do want to say this, and it's not, this is not a commercial. This is not a, a promo because I'm trying to get numbers up. This is, not, this is like fact about my experience. Grace changes everything. My life went on a completely different traje trajectory because of the grace of God. I was going in one direction, and the grace of God came in and just like shook me, and, and then my life took a totally different turn. Grace changes everything. It's not just a three-word slogan. It's not just a, a weekend coming up, which you heard Tinley mention. You've heard us mention it. It really does. And yeah, there's a weekend coming up this Friday and Saturday. And yeah, it's open for high school seniors and up and up and up. And we would love for you to just say, hey, is this something that like a couple of hours on Friday and a couple of hours on Saturday and to really just kind of dive into the fact that grace changes everything. And so I hope that, that you'll consider it. That, and some of you have already signed up, but like I hope that you would be, just think about this, pray about this, because it could be, just the difference maker in your life um, to really take this in. So I hope that you will uh, go online, go to theporchcc.com. I think there's a place that says register for anything that's going on, any events, and you click that, and we would love for you to be a part of that, okay? Because it changes everything. It really does. All right, so um, here's the two places we're going to be today. We're going to be in 1 John, which is actually this series, Doxy Praxy, which I'm going to explain in a moment. But this series, Doxy Praxy, is going to be a study through the book of 1 John. Not the Gospel of John, but later on in the New Testament, one of the epistles, it's 1 John. He wrote three letters to the church. Um, 1 John, 2 John, you want to guess what the, the third one was called? 3 John. And... Um, 
Wouldn't it be fun if he was just like, you know, and, I don't know, C. <laughs> like one, two, and C. Like, I don't know if he did that. Um, so, but we're going to be in 1 John for this series. We're going to be walking through this together. Uh, and then, we're, So start there, and we're going to be right there at chapter 1. And then we're going to look at a, a section in uh, Matthew chapter 7. So if you want to find those two places in your Bible, or if you write things down to look up later, and of course it's going to be on the screen. Uh, for you as well. So the name of the series is Doxypraxy. What does that mean? What is the what I've done is I've taken these two words, orthodoxy, which you've probably heard, and then this word orthopraxy, which not everyone has heard, but it's a word. So orthodoxy and orthopraxy, and I've smashed them together, and we have doxypraxy. All right. Now here's what these words mean. Real quick, we need to understand these before we can really go on into the teaching. All right. So the word ortho, um, which obviously sounds really familiar to a lot of you, probably, the word ortho means correct, right, straight, in line. It's like the way things are supposed to be. Right. So ortho. So when you go to the orthodontist, what do they do? They jack up your teeth? No, they go to straighten your teeth. So that's what they do. When you go to orthopedist, they go to straighten those bones or to make those bones be how they're supposed to be, right? How they were intended to be. Ortho means right, straight, correct, in line. Okay. You with me? You got that? Okay. Doxy. So where we get our word orthodoxy, doxy means beliefs, it means thinking, it means understanding. All right, so orthodoxy then would mean right thinking or right understanding, right beliefs. All right, now this word praxy, you might see now where we get our word because it means practice or behavior. Praxy means practice or behavior. So the word orthopraxy means right practice or right behavior. So we've taken this, these two words, mashed them together. We've got doxy, praxy, and it means right thinking or right beliefs, right practice, right behavior. And then our tagline for this series is this, and this is where I wanted to settle in on us, is what you believe determines how you behave. What you believe determines how you behave. What you believe, doxy, determines how you behave, praxy. Now, to stand up here and talk about behave, it might sound really judgy today, and I don't mean for it to sound really judgy, and I certainly am not intending to be judgy. I don't want to judge anybody. That's not my job. Um, I have been personally convicted and challenged as I have been working on this series, so there's a chance that you might as well, but please don't hear it as being me being judgy, but... Um, the Holy Spirit teaching you, nudging you, encouraging you, like challenging you, okay? Let, let that be the response that you have. So, um, what you believe determines how you behave, doxy, praxy. Now, most people um, tend to emphasize orthodoxy over orthopraxy. Most people tend to emphasize one or the other, and I would say because of the fact that we're standing we're in here in a church together today, Probably a lot of us would put ourselves in the, oh, I'm in the orthodoxy camp. And here's what I mean by that. Um, we might have the mentality of, you know, well, if I mess up, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter because I have right beliefs and only beliefs matter. So I believe in God. So yeah, I mess up, but I believe in God. So that's all that matters. But there's some missing pieces in there, right? Did you 
hear that? Okay. So that's where some people might be with orthodoxy. It's just like, I have, it doesn't matter what I do because I have right beliefs. And on the other end, the orthopraxy side, what you find is some people go, okay, my behavior is pretty consistent with everyone else's behavior around me. So you know what? It doesn't really matter what I believe. Just, just make sure my behavior is like everyone else. So I'm good. All right. Do you see how people could fall in one or the other of these places? Orthodoxy or orthopraxy. I will submit to you this. I think at its core, even though I think we can kind of do one or the other or be more heavily in one or the other, I think at its core, it's almost impossible to separate orthodoxy from orthopraxy. I think it's almost impossible for us to separate our beliefs from our behavior um, because it starts to show. I mean, because what happens with our beliefs is that you believe something long enough and that behavior is going to come out of that and then you behave in such a way for a while that what's going to happen is that's going to reveal your beliefs. So there you go. Now, the whole point of this series is, based on 1 John, is what you believe determines how you behave. So a little bit of background on our text before we jump in. Um, The Apostle John, who wrote the Gospel of John, he writes uh, these three letters. And if you go and read the Gospel of John, and then you go and read 1 John and 2 and 3 John, you're going to find, especially in the epistles, the 1, 2, and 3s, He writes a lot about love. I mean, a lot about love, especially in 1 John. I mean, he's all about love to the point that, um, you know, after he wrote these things and like, you know, in the years following and then scholars and all that, he became known as, this sounds really creepy, but he became known as the apostle of love, okay? But it was in a good way, so that, because it does kind of have like a little bit of a creep factor to it, but he was the apostle of love. And because he just wrote about it, that's just what he did, that's what he wrote. But here's what's really, really interesting to me. John was not always known as the apostle of love. Um, I don't have this up on the screen, but in Mark chapter 3, there's, there's this instance where Jesus had sent some disciples ahead to a town, kind of as like his advance team, you know, like, hey, Jesus is coming, can he stay here, you know, all that. And the the disciples came back and they're like, Jesus, they don't, they don't want you to come. And we don't know why. I mean, it could be a lot of different reasons, but they did not want Jesus. So here comes John, who we now know as the apostle of love. But at the time, he and his brother James were like, hey, Jesus, um, so how about we call down fire upon this entire town and just swallow it up whole? <laughs> and Jesus was like, rebuked him. was like, no, no, that's not a good idea. That's really not the way to go. And he, this is, Jesus gave them nicknames. He gave John and his brother James nicknames, and he called them the Sons of Thunder, which is like, like a WWE like tag team name. Like these, like I mean, how cool is it to get a nickname from Jesus? Like he, they are Sons of Thunder. Now here's the question: How do you go from being a Son of Thunder to eventually being known as the Apostle of Love? Okay, how do you get there? I will tell you. How? Doxy, praxy. His beliefs, John's beliefs, John's understanding of who God is, John's understanding of Jesus, um, of his experience with him in, in pre-crucifixion, you know, post 
resurrection, you know, post-ascension into heaven. Like John's experience of being around Gentiles, people who did not know the law. All these beliefs started to form in his life. And what happened is, is his behaviors started to change. As John matured in the faith, his behaviors changed. Doxy, praxy. His beliefs determined his behavior. Now, so as a foundation for this whole series that we're doing in 1 John for this first week, what I'm going to do is we're going to look at a a section in the first chapter of 1 John. So we're going to kind of bookend this. We're going to look at a little section, and then we're going to look at the end of 1 John in in chapter 5, and we're just going to see some doxy and some praxy. And then over the next couple of weeks, uh, we're going to be in the middle there, and we're going to see how just, you see beliefs, behaviors, beliefs, behaviors, doxy, praxy, doxy, praxy. So let's jump in here. Um, 1 John chapter 1, let's go with verse 1. All right, so this is John writing to churches, to believers, and he says, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We, have, we saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him. You see, the, he's, trying to, he's setting up this like, listen, this is a real deal. This is not just a fable. This is not a fairy tale. This is fact. He says, and now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. That doesn't phase most of us in here, but that was like, what are you talking about? Like eternal life? What? Like, so, I mean, this is, this is amazing, good, solid news he's getting. Verse, um, where are we? I don't know. I don't know. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. Okay, so he's setting up the fact that he is God. He is deity. He is holy. Verse 3, we proclaim to you, as if you didn't already know this, we have, we have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. So he's like, we want you to know this so that you can be a part of this. And then he says, we are writing, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things to you so that you may fully share our joy. I want you to know this. We have seen Jesus. We know who he is. He is from God. He was with God. He is eternal life. He is Savior. He's Messiah. We want you to know this because we want you to have fellowship with us. We want you to know the joy that we have in knowing God. This is all orthodoxy. This is belief belief. Do you believe? We have seen it. We have touched him. Like we have touched him. This is what we believe and we want you to believe this too. And so then what John does is he spends the rest of the letter and this, like I said we're going to explore this over the next couple of weeks looking at based on this belief these are the behaviors that you should have. That based on the belief in God, based on belief that Jesus is the risen Christ, the Messiah, these are our behaviors. Doxy, praxy. Okay? Now let's jump to uh, chapter 5 of 1 John. Verse 18. I want to read two verses in here. Um, 
So we're bookending. So we've seen belief, and now here we go. 1 John 5, verse 18, it says this, We know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning. Let's pause there. When you want to be really good at something, what do you do? Yeah, practice. I had a tennis, my tennis coach in high school had a tremendous impact on me, but he used to say something that made me want to punch him in the face. He would say, practice doesn't make perfect, doesn't make perfect, perfect practice makes perfect. And I was just like, oh, please be quiet. But it's so, it's true. And here's what John is saying is, hey, don't practice sinning. Like, see, he's not saying don't sin. We're not perfect. Anyone here perfect? Anyone here arrived? Anyone else? Anyone got it all figured out? No, we are on a journey of faith. We are being sanctified all the time. But what John is saying is don't make a practice of it. It's like, hey, you kind of do it sometimes and you don't even realize it. So the last thing you need to do is practice this thing. You don't want to get good at it. And he says, God's children, so people who proclaim to be his follower, like to be his sons and daughters, don't make a practice of sinning. So remember the beliefs at the beginning, and now here is behavior. Orthopraxy, right here, he's saying, you don't make a practice of sinning, because that is not ortho. <laughs> I don't know what the, the other side of ortho is. Someone can look it up or tell me, I don't know. So, but he's like, that, that's not good. So he's, he's wrapping this up, belief and practice. If you believe then your behavior should be different, okay? Now, um, let me read the rest of this verse. So he says, We know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning, for God's Son holds them securely. So see, there's a security in when we have faith in Christ. Again, doesn't mean we're suddenly like perfection ourselves, but no, in our imperfection, Christ came as perfection to die for our imperfection. And then to allow us to live into a life that is in pursuit of that. Okay? So he's saying, uh, don't make a practice of sinning, for God's son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot touch them. So that, that's security. Don't make a practice of sinning. God's got you. Don't be practicing this. Why are you practicing behavior that is like totally, completely against the beliefs you may be professing right now? Don't do that. You've got Jesus. You are securely in his hands. And so, um, and then uh, verse uh, 21, I want to read this. Dear children, and you can hear this, there's compassion in the voice of John as he writes this. He says, Dear ch children, Keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Keep away from anything. And some versions it talks about making an idol of things other than God. Keep away from anything. Why does he say that? Because if we don't keep away from anything, there's a really good chance we're going to be doing some practicing of some sinning. And we might get really good at it. And suddenly we're in a mess. Because, see, our beliefs determine our behavior, and our behavior reveals our beliefs. And if we start practice sinning, like we become like professional sinners, like, like, like we get like sponsors and stuff. I don't know who would do the sponsoring, but like, you know, like suddenly, guess what? It starts to reveal, does that, doesn't that start to affect your beliefs? If you're like professional sinning? Over and over again in these letters, what John does is he talks about 
When you love something more than you love God, it's going to change your behavior. When, you, when your belief about what is the most important thing, what you love the most, when it changes, that's going to impact your behavior. And I would say that's good or bad, right? What you love the most is going to have that impact. And it's, so like I said, it's, really, you, it's almost impossible to separate orthodoxy and orthopraxy, our beliefs from our behaviors. So think of it like this. What you say, what you believe, what you understand to be like the center of who you are, like your intellectual, emotional, spiritual, mental, like physical, everything about you, you know, like your soul, like what your belief is, what you say is at the center of everything, of who you are. Your behaviors are going to radiate out from that. They are. They are. You can't fake that. You can't. And so John is saying, he's like, don't let anything take the place of God in, in, that, in, in that center of who you are, in your heart, in your soul. Don't let anything take that place because if it does, then all the rest of your life is going to be impacted by it. Your behaviors. So see, it's not about like, hey, you better behave. You know, hey, you better, you know, just... Doesn't, you know, again, it's like the orthodoxy and the orthopraxy is like, doesn't matter what you believe, just look right. Just look good. Just do the right things. Check the boxes. No, 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 no. Justin was saying that as we were in there with Paige. It's like, no, this isn't a check the box moment. This isn't an orthodoxy moment. This is a, because of belief, this is practice. Behavior. Orthodoxy produces orthopraxy. Your beliefs determine your behaviors. And so what, here's what happens. Belief produces behaviors, and behaviors reveal beliefs. And so I, this is when we start to go, okay, here's what we've seen in Scripture. Here's what I understand about these words. Now here's where it starts to get a little personal. Do your behaviors reveal a belief in Jesus? Do they? Do, do your behaviors reveal a belief? Uh, do, do they honor God? Do your behaviors bring God glory? And here's the deal. If they don't, and, and I mean like, you know, by and large, not like every single moment, because again, we are not perfect, but we have a Savior who is perfect, who calls us into living life differently than we did before. You go read just about anything that, that the Apostle Paul wrote, and he writes about this. Like, the old self is gone. The old self is, like, you have the, the it's not just Jesus is resurrected, but you get to be resurrected. Like, you can live the new life, okay? So, um, here's the deal. If, if your behaviors don't glorify God, honor God, what I would think is either you are believing and trusting in something other than Jesus, and I would say that needs to change for the sake of your soul, or you're just at a place where you're unaware of the way that Jesus 
has called you to live, has called you to mature, has called you to grow, and, and there's that need for growth. There's that need for maturity. There's that need for development so that your behaviors will start to match that belief in Jesus. And I've got to say, and, and I mean, I think so many people are in that place that they've had the moment of belief. They're like, listen, you can't take that moment away from me. You cannot take away that day, that, that time, that, that season in my life, because maybe you can't peg the day and the hour, and that's okay. But like, you're like, listen, I know that I know. I know that I know that there's Jesus. I know that I know he's the son of God. I know these things. I've confessed these things. I've cried over these things. Like, don't take that belief away from me, Shannon. I'm not trying to. But have you matured beyond that point? Has there been growth? Have you, have you leaned in? Like, has, has it started to affect, like, to be shown in the behaviors of your life? You see, if you go around proclaiming <laughs> that you love Jesus, but you act like a jack wagon most of the time, there's a huge inconsistency there. And I will tell you, I promise you, Jesus is not cool with you saying that you follow him and yet you act like a jack wagon most of the time. That is probably the deepest theological statement you will ever hear me say. Well, put it on my headstone so that when people come to visit me, it'll be like, Jesus is not cool with you acting like a jack wagon. Like, there's inconsistency there. And our, when our behaviors are not matching what we say we believe, because, oh my goodness, we, we have this opportunity to not, this is about development, this is, a, this is personal, but this is also corporate. Because... We can't be people who say one thing and do another. And listen, the reason that Christians are called hypocrites is not because we are like in this in-depth, like, oh, God, reveal to me, show me. Oh, I want to know. Oh, don't let me do one thing wrong or say anything wrong. I'm, I'm just constantly going to seek after you and examine my life, even if it hurts. And I'm just going to adjust constantly all throughout the day. That's not why we're called hypocrites. <laughs> we're called hypocrites because we say one thing and our behaviors consistently disprove that. So we might have the doxy, but where's the praxy? And at some point, these converge. We cannot live with these separately. Something will change. Either your beliefs will begin to change your behavior or your behaviors are going to start to change your beliefs. And this is why Jesus wrote in Matthew chapter 7, or Jesus said, and it was written. Um, and he's actually, he's talking to his disciples and he started off talking about like these teachers who were getting up and saying some, you know, rando stuff. And they were like, we don't know what's going on. And so he's like, all right, I got to address this. And he says, uh, in verse 16 of Matthew 7, he says, you can identify them by their fruit. Like, you're going to know. That is by the way they act. So praxy, okay? Orthopraxy right there. And then I like, he, I like how Jesus does this often. He'll give like word pictures, like something that you can 
you know, kind of really understand. It's like opens up the whole audience. Like it's not just for like super duper smart scroll studiers. It's like anybody. And he says, can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? And then he says, a good tree produces good fruit. Doxy, praxy. A bad tree produces bad fruit. Doxy, praxy. You see it? He says, a good tree can't produce bad fruit. It's not possible. And a bad tree can't produce good fruit. And this is the scary part. He says, so every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Not good. Verse 20, though. Yes, but you, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, and this is when he gets down to it, he says, you can identify people by their actions. Now, like I said, this could be like Judgy Judgerson here. But look inward. Like, don't be sitting there going, yeah, I know, I know, that's, send that verse to so-and-so. <laughs> no, like, look inward. You can identify people by their actions. So maybe, maybe I'm just, I'm putting this out here for consideration. Like I said, let's be a little, let's take, let's go personal here. Maybe instead of defending behavior that you know is contrary to the way that God has called you to live, maybe uh, instead of exerting you know, energy going, hey, stop judging me, like, you're not perfect either, and I know what you did, like, instead of us like, kind of being on the defensive all the time about our behavior, instead, why don't we kind of switch gears a little bit and go, you know what, um, my behaviors are contrary to the faith I profess, and I just want to spend time before God and going, God, how I want to be closer to you. I want to know you. I want to, I want to be impacted by your word. I want that conviction if, it's, if I need it. Like, I want that. I want that nudge of the Holy Spirit if I need it. I, I want to be closer to you. So instead of putting energy into defending ourselves, we go, you know, I'm going to, instead I'm going to actually like lean into and know, know this God that I, I profess to believe in. And I think, you know, this is an issue that I see so often, and, I, and I'm prone to it as well, okay? So it's not just, what we try to do often is we take our behaviors and we try to say, come on, Jesus, like, come on, join in, like, let's go. Like, whatever it is, I mean, little stuff, big stuff, whatever, I mean, you, we, try to, we, try, we try to get Jesus to join our behaviors, and that's just, it's not the right way about it, friends. Like, we need to move towards him in belief instead of inviting him to come and join us in our behavior and, like, give us, like, a stamp of approval. Like, I know that things, you know, Scripture says this, this, and this, but everything, you know, will you just come and stamp this, Jesus, and be like, Good, you know, yeah. No, we move to him in belief. So we don't try to fit him into our praxis, that's, and because what is, what is our practice like without him? It's selfishness, it's, it's idolatry even of ourselves and other things, and apathy and lust and greed and all this stuff. He's not going to come and approve that. We move towards him in belief. Our beliefs change, our behaviors change. So when John says in verse 21 to keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts, what, what has taken that place? Is there something? 
Is, is there, are there some things that are taking that place? Have you, have you, and this is an important question, have you ever given God the primary spot? Have you ever done that? Because the good news is you can do that. You can do that today. Today can be that day that you give him the primary place. You know, and maybe if you're, you're sitting here and you're thinking about this, like maybe, maybe your behaviors that are, that are not reflecting Jesus' following beliefs are because your, your beliefs have not been towards Jesus and you are saying, you know what, I want that to change. I want, to, I want it to be different. And then quite honestly, there's, there's, there's the possibility that maybe you've just been, you've heard people say certain words for so many years that you have said the words too, but there really hasn't been that moment of belief. And so it makes sense then that your behaviors are not lining up with the belief you profess because you're not, you didn't really know what you were professing. And there's just so much inward looking that, that needs to be going on. And, and we'll be doing this over the next couple of weeks. I can't neatly tie up this, this message for you. I mean, this is something to wrestle with and to look at and to understand and to, to see where we are. But I will just say this. When, we, when you choose to stop believing in anything else and embrace the belief that Jesus is the only way, He's the only way to be made right with God. He's the only way to forgive your past. He is the only way. Then, then what happens is then you can start to live a life and you're going to see that those behaviors will change because you're just like, I'm overwhelmed with the grace of God. Because Jesus is not an option. He's not one possible way. He's not like one idea that's out there. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. I'm going to ask the band to come back out here as we close our time together. But I just, I want to tell you, Porch community, that Jesus is the one who is worth turning towards. He is the one. He's the one that's worth, like, if, of all the beliefs that are out there, turn towards that one. And then let those beliefs in who Jesus is, the one who came and gave his life for us, like, remember, he was perfection, we were not, and yet he came for us. Let those beliefs in, in Jesus Christ, our orthodoxy, determine our behaviors, our orthopraxy. I want to ask you to close your eyes as we go to prayer, and I want you to hear these words out of 1 Peter chapter 2. And it says, he, talking about Jesus, it says, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right, ortho. That's correct. That's straight. That's in line with God. He did all that so that we could live for what is right. And I love these final words. By his wounds, we are healed Thank you, God, for Jesus. On this side of, of the Easter Sunday of the resurrection, now we are in this Easter season. We come before you and we just, God, I'm so glad that you meet us where we are. You don't ask us to have all the right behaviors and then you bestow upon us the forgiveness of sin. Oh, no, no, no. 
Thank you, Lord. Jesus has done the work, and wherever it is that you find us, you bring to us new life. So I pray, God, that our beliefs in who you are, today would be the day for some. Yes, Jesus. Yes, forgiveness of sin. Yes, new life. Yes, my past doesn't hold me. Yes, I don't have to stay there anymore. Yes, that is not who I am. That is not my name. I'm a child of God. Lord, may those beliefs determine our behavior. Thank you, God, that you pursue us like you're doing right now. And you meet us where you find us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.